What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast hello everybody welcome into the sports day dfw dallas morning news podcast of the year ballsy cowboy cowboy edition cowboy edition where's sean bass to bring us in no sean bass you know we don't need that kind of uh formulated kind of thing that 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 stick they do at the ticket the the professional the The professional professional intro people want to hear the real thing they want to hear kevin sherrington they want to hear barry horn they want to hear evan grant every once in a while but, but today, who do they get to hear on the Cowboy Podcast? Today on the Cowboys Podcast, we're getting you Johnny Matches, John Machota. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, we love having you on. Barry's always trying to get somebody else. But I always say, let's get John Machota on here because he's the one guy out there who knows what's going on. He's the well, one guy out there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. John, I was out there yesterday. I didn't see Kevin out there. No. Out at the store yesterday. <laughs> And the more I reflect on that Ring of Honor walk, I'm not I'm not crazy about that. But the, but the guys who were there, there were some there was a lot of talent out there yesterday. Former great Cowboys, it's it's really remarkable that that assemblage may not ever happen again. Yeah, that's what my biggest takeaway from it. I, I mentioned to to Brandon George, I go, uh, you know, I've been down here in Dallas for seven years now. I'm originally from Detroit, and you know. Those are such big names that even growing up in Detroit, I knew who all those guys were. And so I come down here, and, and I've never got a chance to see all those guys in one place at, at one time like that. Like I said to Brand, I go, there's just so much history with the Cowboys and so many legendary players that it just it puts it on a different level. Because, like, I asked him, I go, name, name for me the legendary Detroit Lions that you can think of. And the only one he came up with was Barry Sanders, and that's completely fair. Bobby so Lane. The Cowboys, <laughs> what's that? I'm Bobby sorry. Lane. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit before Brandon's time. but uh, That's but, before my time, my too. I just want to point that out. Joe Schmidt. Have, yeah. Yeah, 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 Lombardi. No, they have so much. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Larry. Yeah. The Cowboys just have so much history that it's like they're, they, they can have their own wing at the Hall of Fame. And to see all those guys together and then just watching them interact and, and seeing Charles Haley be the typical Charles Haley that, that you're used to, that you just kind of got a feel of how he was in the locker room with these guys. Uh, probably a little bit more um, appropriate the way he was acting than maybe some of the stuff he might have done in the locker room, but just cutting up and making jokes and things like that. And hearing Michael Irvin talk about how they were arguing back and forth about if they were making one team right now, who would be the starting quarterback, who would be the starting receivers, and, and all that stuff like that. Like, I just don't know how often you get that chance and if you get that chance very much ever again down the road. Who did, who did Michael have as the starting quarterback? Oh, he did. He wouldn't say that. Oh. He, he had himself as a starting receiver over Drew Pearson. Though. Well, don't you need two receivers, though? I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, that would, that would be ideal. I mean, nowadays you'd probably have three. So I guess you'd have uh, 
You know, you could have him, Bob Hayes, and, and uh, Drew Pearson. So, who do, so let's have our own little boat here. Who, who do we have as the Cowboys' greatest receiver ever? I would have Michael Irvin. I may have to lean that way. I, I got to have Drew Pearson only because he came up to me and told me how much he enjoys hot air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, he's he talked to me too. No, I, listen, that, that's a really hard no, wait, wait, thing hard. to do. Who would, you guys, who would you guys have at quarterback? The all time, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Starback. I'm going to go with Tony Romo, but he wasn't there. Oh. No, no, I'll go, I'll go, I, I think I'd have to go with Starback too. I, you know, I, I picked Starback simply now. Be- I, now I've gone and angered my my two. Best yeah. sources, yeah, Troy Aikman go. and Mike Lovett. <laughs> you know, my thought has, about that has always been that Troy Aikman was a great quarterback for those teams of the 90s. He was the perfect quarterback for them, just as Emmett Smith was the perfect running back. We used to always have the, the debate about, oh, who would you rather have, Emmett or Barry? Uh, and then Barry Michael, Horn? No. Then Michael Irvin was the perfect receiver because these guys were very dependable. They worked very hard. They didn't turn the ball over, and that was a machine going down the football field. Um, and But as soon as... As those you started taking cogs out of that machine, as soon as Jay Novacek left, then Troy Aikman was a little less effective. And then as soon as some of those offensive linemen started to go, Troy Aikman was a lot less effective. And we saw at the end of his career, which was not very long, he played twelve. He played twelve seasons. Twelve seasons that he was he wasn't nearly as effective. What now? When he's a sitting target uh, back there in the in the pocket, whereas like Roger Staubach. We all know what kind of player he was and what kind of athlete he was at the position. He didn't play a lot of seasons either. He didn't, but but that was because he started so late. Yeah. But the, my point is, is that he made Roger Staubach was uh, able to make a lot out of nothing, and I, I'm not so sure that that was that was really Troy Aikman's game. He didn't have to. No, he didn't have to. That's what I say. He was the perfect quarterback for the time they had. I'm having to repeat myself because Barry had fallen asleep when I first started <laughs> this conversation. How about coach? Who who'd you take as your coach? Well, John go first. John, you go first. Oh. It's got to be Tom Landry. I mean, is, is that even up for an argument? Well, uh, does Jim? Well, let me ask you this: I talked to Aikman, I talked to Irvin, I talked to Emmett, I talked to some, several other people. They're they're going to start lobbying Jerry, I think, to get Jimmy in the Ring of Honor. Does he belong? Oh yeah, without without question. I yeah. mean, again, I I, I compare. I, I think it's so easy for me to make all these these comparisons because coming from Detroit, I just think of if you had a coach that even won. One Super Bowl for the Lions, like this guy would have a statue out in front of the building. <laughs> so you think about no, and, and, no, seriously, how about they renamed the city? Um, I, no, here's here's another one. I was I've been watching the, the first two episodes of Hard Knocks, and they have a statue, and uh, I mean, albeit it's a celebration statue with like other players too, but John Gruden's up there, and John Gruden's getting put in their Ring of Honor. It's like Jimmy's won two Super Bowls and was the architect for three. Right. Uh, I don't think that there's any question that he's might have, They might have won four uh, yeah. had he not left. Yeah. I, I think that Jerry is letting Jimmy twist in the wind a little bit here. He's going to put him in, but he wants to let him know, you know what, you could have been nicer. You could have been more gracious, and, and I'm but, just going to let you twist that be, in the wouldn't wind Wouldn't that be bit. the ultimate act of graciousness if he, if he put Jimmy in? Sure, and he will. And, and, he will. And he's because, in the Hall Jerry, Jerry, Jerry's king yeah. of the world now. Because Jerry got recognized in the Hall of Fame, so he got the recognition he's always He's wanted, king of the world. That, that Jimmy never gave him. And, and so now he can do that. You're right. But here's the thing, too. I would say of, of those two guys, who is the more gracious of the two? Jerry. Jerry, no question. Because Jerry's a salesman. Well, Jerry's a salesman. But he's, but he's, but he's got a lot softer heart than Jimmy does. But, but Jimmy, Jimmy has mellowed tremendously over the years. He he's not that hardcore Jimmy that he was... Uh, Went back here when he was building those Super Bowl teams, and he he enjoyed he enjoyed telling everybody 
what a lousy guy, what a lousy human being he was. All right, now we've said who the who the quarterback we uh, we wanted. Um, we've said the coach. I, I agree with you, John, on uh, on Tom Landry. There's no question about I'm gonna that. I'm going to go with Jimmy. You're going to go with Jimmy over over Tom Landry. Yeah, because the guy who built this built this organization was a coach for 28 years. I will, I'm going with Jimmy. Wow, man, you are you are so short sighted. All right, who's who's the best owner in the Cowboys? Wait a minute, wait a minute, how about running back? There were two pretty good running backs there yesterday too. Yeah, you have to go with Emmett over Tony Dorsett. Yeah, John, I'm I'm going Emmett. I uh, you know again, let's, we're bringing another Detroit comparison here. Oh. I thought Barry Sanders is the more talented running back throughout yes. their their careers, but like you guys mentioned earlier, Emmett was just perfect for that team, and Emmett just I mean he just. This, he didn't have the the talent that Barry did, but he he had the other stuff. He had the you know uh, he's the winning running back. B, b, you know I watch this the way that this current Cowboys team is built, and I just think about how you know Barry Sanders isn't really a great fit for this this current. I mean he's a great fit with any team, but I'm saying compared to Emmett, Emmett is exactly what Jason Garrett would want because Barry's going to lose you two, three, four yards on on some carries, but yeah, sure he's going to bustle him for sixty. But Emmett's always going to be moving ahead, moving the pile ahead, moving, you know, going forward. And that's really, to me, is the best ingredient for a winning football team. So, uh, and I don't think anybody's done that necessarily better than Emmett did during that run. Now, obviously, had a great offensive line. But I guess with me being a little bit younger, I didn't get to see Tony Dorsett in his prime, so I'd lean Emmett. Uh, here's, here's the reason you pick Emmett over, over Dorsett, is that you remember the, the, big, the big argument that Dorsett always gave when he, was, when he was playing was, I want the ball more. And Landry was always telling him, I'm trying to preserve your career. You know, he was. They did not ride Tony Dorsett; they rode Emmett. You know, the, the cow Emmett was the. He was the the most important player on those Cowboys teams in the early nineties. There were there were a lot of great players on those teams, but he was the most important one. Tony Dorsett was not the most important Cowboy when he was playing. The quarterback. I think it's really interesting that you bring that up was. because I think you're going to see that with this current team with Ezekiel Elliott. I, oh, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Dak is the rookie of the year, and Dak is the guy that, you know, if they had a great season, he'd be the guy that got MVP. But really, it, it all, you know, starts and ends with Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, you know, not having him, you know, for six games. We'll, it's, it's we'll see this season, see won't we? Works out. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see this season. So you think that six games is hard, uh, hard and fast? That was a good transition, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> is, 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 is a six game hard and fast, do you think? You think he'll, he'll miss six games? I think it, I think it's pretty sad. I don't know how they're going to get out of that. If that's what's in, I mean, that is what's in the the agreement is that it's a six game is the baseline for this. I don't see how you can go away from it. When it first came out, I thought for sure, you know, not having read over all all the details of it, I was like, yeah, this seems like they're coming at with six, and then there'll be an appeal, and then they'll come back and they'll both agree at four. And then the way you read the way it's set up, if you know there's any domestic violence, that six is the baseline. So I don't know how you're going to get how you're going to get it lessened from that unless, you know, maybe there's some new evidence or something that they can, they can you know, produce. But as of right now, I, I think it's going to be six games, and whether that's the first six games of the season or if there's appeal going on and it's, you know, it's some other part of the season or if there's any way they're able to push it past this season and maybe it's six games next year, I just don't see how they come off six games. All right, so, so let's just assume he's out for six games. You know, we know that – Obviously, when Zeke's here, he's getting the bulk of the carries. Even though Darren McFadden is going to be the starting running back, do you feel like that uh, that low will be distributed a little more evenly between him and uh, Alfred Morris? I think Darren gets he's going to be he's going to be the starting guy. I would I, I guess the best way to describe it, I think he's like you know twelve to fifteen carries. I think Alfred Morris will be more six to seven, mm-hmm. unless 
McFadden, okay, so he had that fumble at the end of the second series on Saturday night. So if that becomes an issue, then obviously, yeah, then you'd, you'd switch over to Alfred Morris. Um, but I think that they're going to do, uh, or at least going off of what I've seen from Jason Garrett over the last four or five years covering him, I, I just I don't see him going with a committee backfield. I think he'll give Darren McFadden every opportunity to be their workhorse back, and if he can handle it, then, then he runs with it. But if, if he struggles, then you go to Alfred Morris a lot quicker than you would go to a backup if it was Ezekiel Elliott. But the, the big difference to me is, I mean, really, if you want to make any comparisons is last year, that, that, that game up in Pittsburgh. I mean, that really, that just shows you the, the difference of between Ezekiel Elliott and another good running back. They don't beat that Steelers team. They don't win that game without Ezekiel Elliott. But he just has that specialness that he's got that, He's got that wiggle. He's got that athletic ability that just it just changes the game. He can take any play to the house, and they're gonna they're gonna be solid running the football. But they're just not gonna have that breakaway, uh, you know, big play uh, capabilities that you saw with Ezekiel. I don't I don't see. So so the Cowboys appeal or the, the, they take it to court. The uh, suspension is delayed, and around week fourteen. Uh, they they run out of appeals. They run out of everything. So there 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 goes the playoffs without Zeke, right? I would believe so. I mean, that certainly seems like what they would do. I can't see how they'd be like, all right, Zeke, you get two games at, at the end of this year, and then you're going to get four to start the next year. But you can play in the playoffs. That doesn't. I don't see how they would allow that. They, I think the NFL would look very foolish if they did that. I think the Cowboys should just take this and go. Take the take their medicine and go. Mm-hmm. Take the four right right off the bat. Yeah. How many, how many games do you think? How many games do you think he's worth? If it was a kind of a Vegas batting line, if he's missing the first six games, how much does it change your guys? For me, it, it changes at least a game and maybe even two. I had him going four and two to start the season, and now I'm thinking it's closer to maybe two and four, three and three. Do you think that's too much? All right, take take us through the games, Johnny. Uh, first game, open with the, with Giants. the Giants here. They win or lose? They had Zeke last I year and lost twice. I had yeah, I had that as a win originally with with no Zeke. Uh, that's a loss for me. That's a loss. Even even though the Giants uh, have no running game and they just they've gotten two of their wide receivers dinged up. Now who knows how long they're going to be out? But uh, but that's got to be a concern for them offensively. I mean, defense they're very good, obviously, but on but on their offense that has to hurt some. Yeah, and then, and then the next two games you're playing against good defenses too. That's the problem is that the defenses they're playing could make stuff you know very difficult on Dak Prescott if, if the running game isn't having nearly the success that it has in the past. I mean, there's a, there's a without Zeke to start the season, you could easily start 0-3. I, I think that's possible, but here's the thing. If, if you know, As a Cowboys fan, you would have to think. Are you the, saying you, you are, you're a Cowboys fan, saying, John? As, John's, John's a Cowboy fan? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I am, I'm saying, all right, let's say this. Would you rather be playing without Zeke? Would you rather be playing a team that was good offensively but bad defensively, or a team that was bad offensively and good defensively? Well, but Zeke keep, no ask keep, the, Zeke the keeps off- the opposing offenses off the field. You know, it's just it's a, a very, meaningless question. It's a very easy question. It's a very easy question, John. What, what would you rather play? A team with a good offense and a bad defense, or a bad offense and a good defense? John, be be honest. Tell him what a bad question that was. Then. No, it, it's it's tough though either way. But I can see it both ways. I guess I'll go with the teams that have the uh, have the uh, better offenses because I don't know if that they can they're going to be able to score with those teams. Whereas with the with the teams with the better defenses, um, I still think that they'll be able to move the ball a little bit at least uh, to run some clock and keep their and 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 when I say that, I'm going with teams that I don't really see much out of them on offense. So 
I guess it's in their best interest to keep it close because I do really feel uh, that we saw throughout the year that Dak Prescott does have a little bit of that it factor, that late in the game, if it's close, he can make you a play here or there. I know he didn't do it you know, up, up in New York, uh, but other than that, he came through in almost every other game. So if I want to keep, I'd rather keep it close and then give Dak a chance late. So I'll, I'd go against. I'd rather play the teams that have the good defenses and uh, the so bad offenses. Well, because you can't get in a, you can't get in a shootout here. This this is the Cowboys team that does still does not have a defense. Barry, let's let's let's, let's talk. Let's not talk about things up in the air. Let's talk about specific games. We know the well, schedule. What I was saying about the Giants? So, the Giants have a good defense, and their offense is got them losing. He's got them losing. And you, what do you what do you say? What I say just you? Said, I think they can beat the Giants because of that. Just for that very reason, I think their defense is very good. It's a better defense than the Cowboys. The point is, the Cowboys' strong point, even without Zeke Elliott, is still their offense. Absolutely, but it's not as strong. No, John, John, point to John. One John, zero Kevin. How about the second game of the season against the Broncos? Again, I mean, they, there's nothing on offense. I'm really that that no. worried about, but that defense. And, and in Denver, I think it's going to be really tough uh, if you don't establish that running game. So with Zeke, I looked at that game as a potential win. Um, but without him, I mean, I could easily see that being a loss as well. Yeah. To me, to me this is – I would take this as a, as a twofer right here, uh, the Giants and the Broncos. You're not going to beat both those teams. Uh, I don't think you're going to lose to both of them. You're going to go one and one. Now, whether that's you lose to the Giants or you lose to the Broncos, after two games you'll be one and one is what I say. Okay, so then you look at the schedule, and week three they're at – uh, the Cardinals. Yeah. They're in Phoenix. Another tough game. A, a really tough game. So what do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of that? Individually, I'd say the same thing I said about Denver and New York, but I also agree with Kevin. So just that's the way the NFL is. There's so much parity that even though on paper each individual matchup looks tough, I find it hard to believe that they're going to start 0-3. I think they win it. I, I don't feel as confident as Kevin on them splitting the first two. But I feel like they get at least one win out of these first three, so maybe it is Arizona or Denver. So you're saying so that I think they start off the gate one and two. Kevin, what do you think they start off the gate? I'm going to say two and one. I'm going with Even John. That's really John, stupid, John, John, two two points for John, none for Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to give John the point for that one too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is this is a, this is a really tough start. You know, you got you got two two tough games on the road and a, and a tough opponent at home. You know, they they struggle so much with the Giants at home. So yeah, this is a, they struggle with Giants everywhere. Well, they do, but this is as, this is as hard uh, a start. I can't imagine very many teams in the NFL like have a have a harder start. To the I, season I remember this. back to the Super Bowl two, the second Super Bowl they won under Jimmy Johnson. Emmitt held out. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, he wasn't there for the first two games, and they started that season zero and two. Yeah. Uh, I, I think something very. They similar. got him signed up pretty quick after that. Yeah, they did, Jerry. Oh, Emmett, come, come on. So, so, but anyway, they, he came back and they they went on to win the Super Bowl again over the Buffalo Bills again. Yeah, but there's was, no Bills left anymore. That's the problem. Yeah, huh? Well, they're still the Bills, but they're not getting to the Super Bowl. Oh no! no. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Especially after Bolden's retired. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, Anquan Bolden. Just I don't want to. Pl- I don't want to play for you. <laughs> Come to think of it, it's going to really be cold here this winter. I think I'll retire instead. So there's a, there's a franchise that was great in the early '60s when I was a Buffalo Bills fan. You were probably you're the only person in Dallas. Uh, let me say Plano, certainly in Plano. But the only person in the Dallas. Why do you hate Plano area? so much? I don't hate Plano. It's you just do. When you say where you're from, you say Dallas. You don't say Plano. Depends who I'm talking to. Depends if I'm talking if I'm talking to some Yankee rube, 
And from the Bronx? From the Bronx, and then I say I'm from Dallas. But if I'm talking to a Texan, if I'm talking to my, my people out in Muleshoe, then I, I tell them I'm from, I'm from Plano. You know, people in Muleshoe don't trust anybody from Dallas. No. You have to say you have to say suburbs there. So so John, uh, who who do they have this week? They have the Raiders this week. Yeah. Excellent. What what should we look for before we get to the the most important question I can think of? Uh, what are we looking for in, in this exhibition game on Saturday night? I can't even believe I'm saying this because it's supposed to be all about the starters, but it really is Cooper Rush and Kellen Moore. I mean, those guys have gone on to be like the the main storyline outside of Zeke, the the storyline on the field right now in the preseason, and that's because the first-team offense looks so good against uh, uh, the same thing as the damn team that they played. It, that, the <laughs> offense looks so good against the Colts right. on Saturday night. Um, I, you know why you know I, I couldn't think of who they played? It's because that was not even like – like when I think of the Colts, I think of Andrew Luck, and I think right. of like the Reggie Waynes and like this big-time offense. I don't know what that crap was that they put out there. That was terrible, watching Scott Tolzien and company out there. That's – that's bad, but anyway, um, the, the first team offense looks so good against against the Colts that I just really feel like that people aren't that concerned about that. You, you've seen what Des Bryant was doing out there. Des Bryant looks like 2014 Des Bryant, first time he's been healthy and, and gone through a full camp in, in three years, and just the you know what, what the rapport that he's got with Dad, you can clearly see that it's building. And what they did on that first series, uh, I just don't see why anybody would be concerned about that first team offense, especially going against. You know, I mean, the Raiders are going to be a strong team. This is the this is the game that you want to watch. If you want to watch a preseason game, this is the one. This is this is the one where you know the starters are going to be playing uh, the, the first half and that. But it really, still to me, it comes down to that second half and, and and who is who is really going to emerge between this Cooper Rush and Kellen Moore deal? Because fans are enamored with it right now. I mean, Cooper Rush getting second team reps yesterday at practice for the first time in training camp by far like dominated anything that, that we put out on, on the website or tweeted yesterday. I mean, it was incredible. Like as soon as we said that he was getting second team reps, it was like the most, I don't know. It was like, it was like, you know, this guy might not play during the regular season. I don't understand why it matters so much. I don't know if it's the love for Cooper Rush or if it's the hate for Kellen Moore. But it's the old, it's, it's the old NFL thing. Uh, yeah. Babe Laufenberg would say that when he was backing up Dan Fouts or when he replaced Dan Fouts, I don't think he backed him up. I think he came in. Everybody goes, oh, we finally have a great quarterback. And Dan Fouts is a Hall of Famer. The most popular player on any NFL team is the backup quarterback with the fans. They're, they're, they're fascinated by that, and they always have been. And, I, and I, listen, it, this has been my philosophy about backup quarterbacks. If you had, when they had Tony Romo, then, they, then it was incumbent upon the Cowboys to have a, a quarterback they were developing, a guy that was going to replace him someday. And, of course, <laughs> they did that at the very last minute, and it, and it worked out improbably well for them, which was just remarkable that it, that it did that. Now, now what's different is that you, you've got a young quarterback who's, who's going to be here, you know, if everything goes well, if he stays healthy and he continues this, this career arc that he's on right now, he's going to be here for 10 years. So, so the question is, do you want to have a young quarterback to develop behind him, or do you want a veteran? Now, now, now Luke McCown is, is, is still there on the roster. Of course, he's, he's out for, for a while now. But he, I would assume he, it, when he is healthy, he could be that backup quarterback you could throw in a game. He's, got, he's a veteran. He can handle that. But to me, that's why Cooper Rush has to make this team uh, is because he is a guy that you could develop because you do then what the Packers that's used to right. do. I knew we were going to get to the Green Bay Packers to Ron uh, Wolf, theory. That you, that you did you ever write a column about this? I did a couple. Yeah. Uh, the, you, you back up, uh, you, you, you develop this backup, 
And then he becomes attractive to other teams. Other teams look at this guy. Listen, the Cowboys have been developing this guy. When he got into play, he looked really good. Let's, let's, uh, let's give the Cowboys a third-round pick for this guy. And, and that's what happens. And that's, it's, it's something that you – it's a, like an investment to me. And the Cowboys have, have just never done that. They used to do it. You know, back in the day, back in the, in the 60s and 70s, they did it all the time. They were drafting quarterbacks, signing quarterbacks, developing them, trading them. Uh, you know, and it was, it, was, it was a great market for it. I don't know why they decided not to do that. I think it's probably because Jerry has a real problem paying somebody who's not playing. Uh, well, before, before the first training camp practice out in Oxnard, uh, a few of us, were, we grabbed Stephen Jones out on the tennis courts before we went over. Uh, to watch the first, it was a morning walkthrough, and we were talking about this exact conversation, and Stephen Jones said that they, and he did mention the Packers too, and the way that they've gone about business for a long time. He reads Kevin regularly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's something that they have discussed that, about doing going forward, and he basically said, expect us to, uh, you know, do that going forward, considering taking these, you know, developmental quarterbacks in the, in the later rounds. Uh, more so than they've done in the past. My thing is, though, is what if they think that because they found Dak Prescott late and they found Cooper Rush as an undrafted guy, and Tony Romo, they feel like they can do it any year. And Tony, Tony Romo, Romo, they didn't draft yeah. Romo either. Yeah. Point, let's let's point that out. Yeah, let's. Let, but that's you know, listen. If they think they can just do that, oh, we don't have to worry about it. I, as I said, I, I'm thinking about this more because now you do have the guy. Now, you know, God forbid something happens to Dak Prescott, but but. They, they have the guy that, that's going to be their quarterback. There's not going to be anybody who's going to beat out Dak at this point. This is not going to be no. a Craig Morton, Roger Staubach no. kind of thing. You know, th- th- no. This is not going to happen. So he's their quarterback. To me, you're, just, you're, you're, you're getting a guy now just to develop him. You know? and, and, you know, it, you know, there is an emergency of some kind. Plus, I think we think way too much about this whole situation when a quarterback well, gets hurt, too, when the starting quarterback gets hurt. Let's, let's say things start out 0-3. It's not, not Dak's fault. Right and uh, Cooper Rush is sitting there. How how what will the outcry be in Dallas to bring in? Uh, just try. Let's just try him out. Let's let's see. I, I think there. I don't. I don't think there's any oh, way it would happen. Oh, I know it there's won't no, happen. No that, that that that's that's not my question. It won't happen. But what will what will the fans be? Uh, chanting for. Oh, and it, it, yeah, if Kellen Moore goes out there in a game he has to play oh, in because God. it happens, and he throws an interception, uh, gets a ball batted down, you're gonna you're gonna start hearing the first boos of the season. What what did, what do the Cowboys see in Kellen Moore, John? When when you when when you they talk- see a guy that they see a guy that okay. So it, here's I feel like if every fan got a chance to, to vote on this, it would be ninety nine to one. Uh, every 100 would be on on Kellen Moore's, uh, or would be that they want Cooper Rush over Kellen Moore. I think you'd have one out of every 100 would say, "All right, I think we should stick Kellen Moore." I think it's it's really gotten to that that point. But that doesn't matter within the Cowboys organization because it's going to come down to Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan. And Scott Linehan, I feel, will have the final say. Scott Linehan feels extremely comfortable with Kellen Moore. Why? Uh, Why? Because he's had him. He was in his together. system. Yeah, yeah. His but- knowledge, his knowledge of the system. Uh, what, what he's able to do, what he's done in, in, in practices, what he was able to do uh, when he got some playing time uh, two years ago, albeit it didn't look great, but at the same time, they also he was basically playing with second-team guys out there. There were a lot of starters that were missing uh, during, during those reps that he got at the end of the season, so they feel very strongly, or at least Scott Linehan, I know, feel very strongly about the way he performed there. The thing is about Cooper Rush is that he has done what he's done against all second, third-team type players. So I think before 
the momentum gets too crazy, I think that we need to see him play against a little bit better competition and see if he can have the same success. If that happens, then yeah, then this thing's going to be completely out of control. But we have not seen that yet. Isn't Cooper Rush part of the Jason Garrett Ginger Brotherhood? Oh, my gosh. Don't don't dispel this. Don't don't dispel this. You know, we've got to move on, and you're asking questions like that. Oh, my gosh. All right, hey, you'll be writing a column about this. No, I will not be writing a column. All right, Kyle Shaw write the column. He'll win the award. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Listen, John, it has been great as always. We're on a very tight schedule today. We hate to leave you, but we're going to have to. We're going to bring you on again real soon. Um, ahead of Brandon George? Ahead of Brandon. Again? Maybe maybe even ahead of David. How about uh, ahead David of Brandon Laufenberg, who, who, who I saw yesterday, who said he'd be happy to be on with us the week, Giants week, week one. There you go. Babe Laufenberg said that? Brandon Laufenberg. Brandon Laufenberg said that. You know, his son is, is, is a graduate assistant at, at USC. USC. How about that? Football. Football assistant. Well, you know, we had a sports writer who ended up being a uh, but he, an assistant uh, yeah. at U- but, USC. But that was, that was under Pete Carroll. Under Pete Carroll, I, yes, I, it was. I'll give you a nickel if you can name the uh, USC coach for me. The USC coach now? Yeah. That is, uh, I, I know this. I'm, I'm having a, this is a senior moment I'm having here. John? It's uh, Clay Helton. Yes. Yeah, Clay so, Helton. I, I knew his dad. When he coached at, the Kim Miami, coached at the University of Miami. Yeah. I guess. It was I was having that pre, 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 Pre-Jimmy Johns. Yes, I didn't was. mean to put you on the spot. Oh, that's quite all right. <laughs> Go right ahead. Anyway, John, uh, there'll be uh, there'll be prizes and packages uh, in the mail for you for appearing with us today. And uh, uh, maybe some Hager pants or something. Uh, so, Sansa belt. Sansa belt, yeah. We have some leftover Sansa belt pants. So thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming in. John's a young guy, too. He doesn't even know what we're talking about. He has about. no idea. No <laughs> John, thanks, well, thanks a lot. For me on, guys. Thanks. I will. Uh, I will talk to you later. You John, can we, John, do you know anybody up in Detroit so we can get this uh, uh, podcast <laughs> distributed up there too? When you're on, I, I no longer have any friends up there. They've all disowned me. And wow, now, so. that's terrible. That's a terrible thing. So I'm yeah. dead to them. How, how, oh, thanks, John. You know, we're we're so old. We think of John as a kid, and he's like 40, 30, 35. 35? 35 years 35. old. Wow, that's He's 35? I was kid. I didn't realize you were, he was that old. I've almost got kids that old, and so do you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Brian, our producer, is, is giving us the hurry up, I have to get out of here sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right, I, 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 okay, so I guess that, that's it for this edition of the Ballsy Cowboys podcast that, that we were able to carry on without Evan Grant and without Sean Bass. And I think it was pretty good. I think it's the best one we've ever done. Yeah, pr- pretty good. So so what else do we have today, Kevin? I don't even well, know. Well, besides the Cowboys with John Machota, we've got Evan Grant on the base on the, the Rangers. You remember Evan Grant, don't you? I Did he used to cover the Rangers for us? For yeah, he, you know, he kind of sporadically covers the team uh, whenever he wants to, whenever he's feeling like it. Yeah. Otherwise, he, he, he so manages he's, so around he, the So he's out in, uh, he's El- out in, in Anaheim. Uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. That was a big, big win yesterday. We'll get to that with Evan. We will, and then we also have our old buddy Kirk Bowles from Austin to, to talk about college football. Tom Herman, he's Tw- the top twenty-five. The top AP twenty-five poll, poll. That's, that's out. We'll talk about that a little bit. They're, they're having interviews this morning. He'll tell us what Tom Herman's talking about. 
So uh, we got a lot. I'm on the Lincoln Riley bandwagon now, you know. Uh, you know, you're so easily swayed. I am. You talk to one person, and I talked like, to Lincoln Riley for five minutes. I'm you on the you were like what they used to say about Tom Hicks when he was the owner of the Rangers. Uh, that he talked to one guy, and then he'd say, "Okay, I'm going to do that." Then he'd go talk to another guy, and he'd say, "Okay, I'm going to do that." That's me. That's how you ended up with dual that, general managers. That, that's that's how I made my first uh, fifty million and lost it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Brian, that's it. Well, Brian, We're again, out of here. He's, he's shaking his head from side oh, to side. Oh, we'll see you. You can't wait to get on with Tim on Around the Horn. Yeah. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.